Welcome to the original vegan business talk with myself, Shane Jeremy James, where I discuss life-changing business advice with vegan companies who are making a true difference in the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode. Our guest today is Leslie Jevons, co-founder of Jevons Toffee. Welcome, Leslie. Hello. Awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about them. It's a uh, they have vegan toffees, caramels, and chocolates. They're a small vegan family uh, business based out of based out of what's the name again? Brighton. 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 Yeah, got that right. All right. Uh, husband and wife team, and their mission is to provide uh, provide toffee-based treats that are at least as good as the dairy-based sweets that they used to love. Uh, that's awesome. Because me and you, me and her, me and her were just talking about that, and I mean, go back. She's been vegan thirty years now, and and let alone try to find any kind of good treats back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do remember a company that used to do um, toffees in the UK, but I cannot find any information about them. So maybe it was hard work, and they stopped. <laughs> right, right. Awesome. So in two by two thousand nineteen, they outgrew their their tiny home kitchen and moved into their own uh, premises. Uh, obviously, that's a big uh, shift. So, I mean, you guys just got so much going on. You moved into an upscale production, and now you make enough toffee and chocolate to sell uh, to, I would guess, many people. More masses, yeah. obviously. Yeah, we're still very small fry, but we, we started because, um, because I've been vegan 28 years, I think, New Year's Day, long before Veganuary, New Year's Day, 94, been vegetarian for about a year and a half and thought mm, not quite feeling comfortable about what I'm doing so very quickly became vegan and um, so been vegan all that time and we're the kind of people that even though there was things that we liked and that we missed I wouldn't have eaten them because I knew that I didn't want to be contributing to the cruelty so it was things that we liked all the mainstream confectionery was just no not having it anymore and right. um, and we had our son in 2000 and he's a life vegan obviously because we've we've got him up vegan and he's thankfully happy to remain vegan and has never wavered which is fabulous and um, but we would often talk about now obviously if you're the other side of the Atlantic you might not have heard of the kind of brands that we know of but over here there's a Christmas tin of sweets called Quality Street there was little different flavors of toffees called toffos and my husband and I would quite often talk about all the sweets that we grew up loving. And we, we did miss that kind of thing. Um, right. And when I used to dance around as a teenager, pretending to be Madonna, my husband, when he was a te teenager, he used to make sweets as a hobby. His mum had some old cookbooks and he would just be bored and think, I'm just going to go and make some toffees or whatever. So a few years back, he thought, let's see if I can have a go at veganising these. So he took pictures from his mum's old recipe books amended the recipes and made them and we were blown away by how good they were so, oh my god there is nothing like this this is so good and then we had some vegan animal rights friends that we um, went out to see and we shared with them and their eyes rolling into the back of their head and things like oh my god that tastes just like xyz things that right. they made and um they were saying that if they didn't know us didn't know we, we were vegan they wouldn't have trusted us or believed us that it wasn't a dairy toffee so there was nobody else doing such a thing so we just thought well we have to do this we, we can't just have this amazing recipe and it and it go was so we we had to do it and it's big struggle moving from 
home production to find in a factory, especially when we're not food industry people. We've got absolutely no background in that. And Corinne was a photographer. I'm still part-time fitness instructor. So setting up a confectionery business was just not, not something that we ever thought, let's look at doing that. It just, we stumbled into it and had to do it. And thankfully other people are as keen on our stuff as we are, which is great. Right. That's amazing. So you guys had the idea and then you've seen that and then you're obviously making out of your probably just kitchen right at the start yeah. you know, at, at home type of thing. And then how did you kind of start selling it then? Was it like going to like farmer's markets or flea markets or, I mean, I don't, do you guys have, do you guys have those there? Yeah, <laughs> farmers we, have that. And we started by, did we have a show? I think we, the first thing we did, we had a veg fest. Did you know of veg fest and over there? Veg no. Fest is a bunch of UK festivals that take place in different cities. Got it. So we were due to have a veg fest in Brighton in um, beginning of 2016. So it was okay, let's launch there. And um, so we just made loads of stock, which took absolutely ages, small batch, sort of cooking like an oven tray's worth would be a, a um, tray of toffee, which would make, I don't know, 30 products or something. So just right making absolutely enough stock to be worthwhile having a stall. So we launched at the Veg Fest, which was really good because then we could give out tasters because um, people are quite sometimes quite reluctant to pay for something that they, they don't know what it's going to be like. And if you've not got a, any idea what it's like, you might be not keen to part with your money, but we gave tasters and, and people loved it. So we launched at the Veg Fest and then afterwards we set up our own online shop. So when we were at home, it was just through our own online shop and that's still we've now that we're in the factory we've got some outlets and um, other online vegan shops and independent health food shops but it's pretty much almost 50 50 between our own customers to our own web shop and a few independent stockists and online retailers so we're still very small fry um which is kind of frustrating when you know that you're the best and you see other things out there <laughs> you just think we need to compete for all right. these other companies so that's a good question to lead us into something. So you guys have obviously a good product, super good product. So 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 why do you feel that uh, you're you're maybe you're in right here and you're you're maybe having some difficulty going to this next kind of level, I guess? Or yeah, I think because our products are although we've got a few items of machinery that help, they help us produce more but a lot of it is still very much handmade, hand cut, run through the chocolate by hand. There is nothing automated, which means that a lot of our time is spent actually doing it. So there's less time to do the other side of it. And also it's um, because we've not got any experience in the food business and because we're in the South of England, traditionally in the UK, um, up north Blackpool, um, up the sort of northeast is where a lot of confectionery places are based probably because it's cheaper than being in the south and um, but so there's not really a lot of information around us to help us and um, so, like we've got family that have ever worked in a sweet factory or anything so it's real a real learning curve and also we're not just doing candy we're not just doing chocolate we're doing both of them together which is an even sort of smaller niche so it's kind of so busy actually doing it that we only have a little bit of time to work on growing the business as well and especially when you don't know who the contacts are to go to it's you, you don't know which doors to knock on um as well but we've been because it's the hot weather at the moment I don't know what it's like for you but it's um 30 odd degrees out here at the moment 
So when we have days like that, we just can't produce because it's too hot and it affects the recipe. We can spend some time working on the business. So I've been sort of connecting with people on LinkedIn and um, trying to put feelers out to, to try and widen our network, really. Right, right. So, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, it's just not you. I find that a lot of the, the small businesses and, and that, that's their their biggest challenge because, I, I mean, to, I always say we all have different hats, right? And you have the yeah. CEO hat, you have the chocolate making hat, you have the marketing hat one day, you have the yeah. business development hat one day, operations hat one day, you know, or and it's it's trying to figure out that balance of, okay, you know, I got my chocolate making hat on or my toffee making hat on now. But now I need to take four hours and put my CEO hat on, right? Yeah. And just yeah. do this properly. And I find that's the biggest struggle I find with majority yeah, of small businesses. Yeah, when you're dipping into that and then you've not been doing it for a while, it's 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 like anything that it's it's sort of harder to pick it up again because you're thinking, where was I up to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also learning skill too. You know, like I've do you did you do you, did you guys have the curves for women franchises there? Do you remember curves for women? um sounds familiar yeah it was a it was a women's chain that went all over the world a big fitness chain that went to like right went to like four billion dollars in 10 years and uh, they were in every every country and i think they were big in uk too but i brought those to canada okay yeah uh, and and um you know one of the things that i learned the most you know it was just getting into such a big franchise, getting to know the owner very close because I was in at the very start. So I really grew with the brand and seen a brand grow. But I really understood like, oh, I have to become, you know, I was always pretty good at marketing and stuff, but I'm like, oh, I got to become good at this operation side of the business, right? right? Yeah. And, you know, and, it, and I tell people it's a whole nother skill set, right? It's yeah, another yeah. skill set that you got to keep developing and working on and stuff like that. And I really try and push small businesses that way to understand, like, if you want to grow, you're going to have to understand that more. And it's not like you have to learn it all the night, but if you can keep learning it more and more and more, you get better at that. And now your business yeah. grows. Yeah. Cause we've both got our different hats. My husband is very good at being creative, coming up for recipes. He's good at, if something doesn't work, he will research to tweak something to make it work. Right. I'm good at the sort of mundane admin stuff with, keeping on top of everything and um, but we were like a, a three-wheeled bike that we're sort of lacking the third wheel that's got that expertise and another frustrating thing is since being busier on LinkedIn you tend to get people that are coming to you not the help we need but things like marketing and branding and um, uh, apps and different things and that's all lovely and that's maybe all further down the line what we really need is the practical people that actually work in food production that know about processes that know about outsourcing or um getting your products into supermarkets or health food chains or anything like that and it's and it's it's interesting that we've sometimes you can feel a little bit overwhelmed and you you feel that you're a little bit inadequate because the skills that you've got aren't all the skills you need but then you actually forget that my god we've got these excellent skills that have got us this far yeah. already and um, it's it's just needing to find there's going to be one day the, the magic door is going to open we're going to find the exact kind of person that's help we need because it's not even necessarily financial it's just it's know-how yeah um, the, the same thing that may, that makes sense and i think too that the better that you set up like a lot of times it's the things you can't see behind the businesses so 
the better that you're structuring the operations, the better that you might be structuring culture, uh, purpose, telling the story, all that stuff that you might not even think is that important right now. Uh, and small businesses sometimes don't look at that, but that's what gets a small business to the next level. And what I'm saying with that type of stuff and learning how to operate that better, what happens is, is then it gives you leverage too on attracting the right people or the right person. So when they come in, they see the operations. Oh, these people are good at like driving the whole business. Okay. I feel trust working with these people. So, you know, you might leverage and that person, you might say, okay, like you've got good distribution. You can get us into this. Yeah. You know, maybe I give you five points on the back end and equity and do some kind of structure that way. Right. But you got to make sure that I think you have things set up really strong that way, just as an operational foundation. And then when you bring that yeah. person in, you guys actually have more leverage in the deal, right. whether they're selling, whether you give up a couple points, whatever it is, uh, the more you can do that, then you keep more leverage. But there's definitely ways to do it for you guys, 100% that can get that, yeah. that right person yeah, yeah. in. Uh, but it's making sure that you also have that foundation strong because sometimes people bring people in and the 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 the, the foundation is not set up properly or it's not strong enough right. so that they kind of like either lose money on that person or that person doesn't execute properly or you know right, right? like so yeah. many times somebody says to me well you know this person didn't work out for me shane and i said okay well send me the send me the processes and 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 the detailed plan that you showed them they were supposed to do very few businesses can send it to me. Right. Okay. So then I said, okay, well, how the heck was this? The person didn't have a chance to work out with you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're, that's you're just even more just not knowing who the right person would be because in, in any industry, it's um, there's abbreviations of the language of that industry and just reading things and seeing on people's LinkedIn profiles letters and having to Google what does that actually mean? What is their right. role? Like even what is it, um, FMCG, I had to look that up and it's just fast moving consumer goods and like, ah, oh, okay, I know what that is now, but it's, you know, when you're, when you're writing something, you, when I remember when I was at university, you write something and before you put something as the initials, the first time you use it, you spell it out what it is, whereas didn't have Google back then, but um, right. so it's, it's that kind of thing, just trying to find the right job for what we need. And it's, we've, we've sometimes felt, um, why is no one come knocking at our door? Because if you if you search for vegan toffee, you very quickly come across us because we're the only people we've got the only vegan toffee factory in the world. And um, it's I would have thought by now that supermarkets would have been knocking at our door because you go in there and you see the the new products and it's another bar of chocolate that might have little bits of honeycomb sprinkled through or whatever, but there's nothing that's actually very different or as different as ours and we kind of expected by now we'd be beating them away and they'd be fighting us and things and it's oh it's not happened but we it's maybe because they've not heard of us but quite nice to be on LinkedIn again connecting to people that are major players in supermarkets and then following back so thinking well at least now people might be seeing who we are um, and again that's only something we've been doing recently because we've been right. so busy just doing the job we only we only had our factory from um beginning of 19 so that was a few months getting it set up learning how to do our production on a larger scale a few hiccups here and there as we because it recipes thankfully worked pretty much the same small batch as large batch but just learning the processes for doing it on a larger scale 
then we had our first Christmas and then all of a sudden it was COVID. So really we we've kind of a little bit autopiloted through COVID, just people were at home, right. they were on pretty much full pay. So they had money to spend on not going out, money to spend on being in. So we were just really busy working our two selves, just keeping up production to be dealing more just so Got we didn't really think of growing the business at that point. It was just dealing with how it was coming in whereas now it's okay COVID was a while ago now we need to be looking at doing something different and moving forward to just going into work and producing every day um, and so we, we do get some local government business advice and things are said like get other people in to do the work while you work on the business but that's when funds are tight the last thing the last thing you want to do is be responsible for some salaries when you're sometimes struggling to draw enough in the business yourself so it's a little bit sleepless night some of the time of just too much to do and not enough time to do it yeah I, I agree with that and that advice to me is not good advice um and and so it's it you know it, it 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 really comes down to understanding where to make that decision you know like where do you need to put your time and where's the most important important area yeah. that you need to that one area that you really need to scale. Like a lot of times things sync together too. People don't understand. So like if you're trying to get distribution in bigger shop, you know, you're going to have to hustle that business. And no matter how good you are, everyone has to hustle it to get into that. But they're also still looking at things like how good are you telling your brand story? How good are you telling it through social media? How good? So, you, so yeah. nowadays they are looking at all that, right? When they're choosing to work with a brand, are yeah. you building community? Are you, you know, so... Um, you know, and a lot of times if you look at small businesses and you, I ask them like, can I see, you know, your cause me coming from curves, it was all about systems and processes, right? That's how right. we scaled. So I ask a lot of times, can I look at your systems or processes, but they don't have any of that mapped out. So that's where they get stuck. If they don't have that mapped out, there's really no direction of how they're going to get there and how they're going right. to go. Right. So that, that's a critical thing. And yeah, it is time consuming, but it's probably the most critical thing a person can do in the, in, in, in the business, to be honest, to help you get to that next level. Um, right. You know, if we wouldn't have done that, we'd be all over the, you know, all over the map uh, at all times. Right. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I mean, you guys got a great product and, and great story and stuff behind you and stuff. And I think there's a lot of big potential uh, for yeah. you guys. It sounds like you're just having a little bit of, little bit of uh, being stuck a little bit of figuring out how to, what direction maybe to go and to get to there right now, I think. Yeah, it's the, the there was one leap and then it's time for the next leap, which is why yeah. we're, we're on to looking at wholesale because again, the handmade, it's, it's fairly expensive, but then that's economy of scale. Of course it is, we're not churning it out. So it's sort of having to work on what the margins would be that a wholesaler would expect that we can still be making money from to be doing it because quite often people end up they, they do get into a supermarket and the margins are that tight that they're working just as hard or uh, sorry a lot harder for yeah. not really much more money so it's it's that kind of thing that we have to we, we've set up some margins that we think we're happy with so we've we've submitted ourselves to a um, and site called range me I don't know if you've heard of it okay no I it's a so because maybe because of COVID when actual physical events weren't taking place but also because if there would be trade shows once a year, how much change goes on within a year period? So there's now right. um, a few different online platforms and I've joined one called RangeMe, which was um, 
set up by I think a lady in Australia and she was in her local pharmacist and I think she had some skin condition and her local pharmacist said oh I make this ointment that will help for that and this woman thought well that's no good to anybody that's not in this community this needs to be somewhere so it's a platform that you submit your products um, and buyers from all around the world can see them and um, okay. so that's where at the moment we've only just joined that so there's what it's um because i joined it through one supermarkets clicking through their website it's exclusive to them right. for 30 days but then after that we're visible and so i'm hoping that other people will then see and um, but that's great that way that buyers can type in keywords look for vegan or plant-based um confectionery and hopefully they would then see us when they've not seen us before so it's quite a i think it was um only launched in the uk last right. october so quite new um, but this was a major supermarket that I clicked to it through their site. So there it's obviously being used. Right. That's good. The, the more you get out there, you know, that's, that's good. You know, I think you guys would do really well. I think I would hit TikTok if I were you guys. And the reason is, is I would do like, okay. obviously it's not, you're not going to go on there and dance, right? It's not, you know, it's, it's a fast to scale <laughs> platform right now. I mean, you could, if you wanted to, maybe it might be fun in the factory, but you know, you've guys got a product where you can kind of show behind the scenes and you can show a lot of stuff and, you know, being made and being handcrafted. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you do, you know, like I look at your business as such a great content game to scale. Like, it's just like, I'm like, whoa, like there's actually physical stuff, right? That you can yeah. really do great stuff with. Um, so, you know, and I like the fact you guys are in the higher end market. I think that, you know, you're, you're because, you know, you, it, it costs a little more because you guys are doing it more hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, combat and stuff. I mean, it's really, you, 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 you never make it when you're in the middle, right? And so I like that market. I mean, I think for you guys, it's just, you know, there might, I mean, I think it's just getting it, you know, a few of the vegan influencers, a few of the vegan celebrities that are like that, 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 that would appeal your product to that market. And like the guys and girls that I know that, you know, buy $2,000, $3,000 shoes, you know, there's a big market out there that will yeah. buy that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, well, the thing is that's because we're often because we're again busy producing, we're, we're doing it, and then it's we're, so we're both hands on, and then it's oh, one of us better go and grab the camera to film a little bit to put on social media. So it's really hard as well when your 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 work is physically demanding of your time that you then have to be thinking. We do have to do the social media as well. We, we're I mean, it's it's lovely to look at chocolate flowing and things going through it and toffee pouring out, and we we do it sometimes, but often we're too busy to do it a lot. Um, but yeah, we we do know we we have to do the more problem. Content. The problem though is you're you're going to do it like every, a lot of people do it. You don't have a strategy behind it, so it's just doing it, doing it, doing it. Really, it, when you sit down, you, you know you should it should be mapped out of why you're doing it, yeah, what you're trying to get to, how many times you're going to do it are you trying to build top the funnel brand are you trying to build direct to consumer are you trying to build the wholesale market like like what's the reason where we're we going yeah. so yeah. There, there should definitely be a strategy around it for you you know and i mean you know i'm, I'm not gonna i'm gonna watch my p's and q's here because a lot of friends that own big agencies so i'm not gonna say too much but a, a lot of times you don't have to pay big money for certain things you just got to get some of the content strategy right and then right. You can hire somebody that can can get it all produced and stuff for you for pennies on the dollar, you know, like literally. So, uh, you know, so there's ways to do it where small businesses can maximize 
uh, dollars, right? We have a lot of freelancers that do stuff for us. It's just, I know how to set up the strategy properly. And so they can execute for, you know, for a lot less money for us. Right. Um, so I think that's the key for you guys. Um, so, I mean, I, I love your guys' business. I really want you guys to succeed. I think there's a, so much potential, you know, with what your guys are doing. And I think it's a really niche market. I think uh, like where you're kind of going on. I just even love the story, like how you guys take the time and do all that. Like, it's just not another company, you know, it's just not another, hey, let's just produce chocolate and throw it out there and talk to you, yeah. just get it out there. You know, who cares? Who cares yeah. about, you know, what it, and it come from a place of, there is nothing like this. We have to do it. Is is what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You said about the price point, though, because we're we don't we've got absolutely no intention of being high end. We want to be the, the kind of product that if you were, um, I don't know, going on a train journey or something, and you got with a local uh, news agent. You call them news agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nip into somewhere that you're buying a bar of chocolate and a magazine for your trip, and that kind of sort of newsstand position of cheap everyday confectionery is what we are aiming for and that's kind of like how we've done our branding again right. like the bars that we grew up with so price is only a factor to do with because there isn't any automation in the processes that we do and um, so it has to be that price to pay for the factory to pay for the insurance to pay for the management service fee all that kind of stuff but um the intention is to maybe outsource some of it because now that we know our recipes if we could get an, an external producer to make it that can churn it out more, the price could come could right. come way down. And um, because that's the intention that really um we don't possibly would be a little bit more expensive as vegan, but really we we would want it to be I'm trying to think of brands that you would maybe know of. But you just want to be on the shelf alongside a lion bar and our chocolate yeah. and it'd be pretty much the same price because quite often as well we've got our, our customers that buy our products and um, it's quite nice that a lot of them they're the vegan in the relationship and their other half isn't vegan and so they've got their their stash in the cupboard and then right. they're finding that the husband is always taking it because they prefer ours to their own which is such a compliment that they'd rather have the vegan thing rather than it being, oh, that's your weird vegan stuff, I'm not going to touch that. It's, right. they prefer our vegan versions of the other product. So if if ours tastes as good, the only thing that would maybe stop someone buying it is that, well, it's twice as expensive. So if we can make it as cheap as mainstream confectionery, then there's no reason, no reason not to buy ours instead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. And I think you're, you know, the you're you're in that line where you're you're if it if you can get the cost down that way makes sense but I, you could always do both too like i mean you could go super high end too you could have one product that's more for mainstream and yeah. then one product where it's handcrafted where you're sending to you know the guys that i know and girls that i know that are ceos that run big companies and stuff and it, they they get this and they're paying you know three hundred dollars for a box right. that's handcrafted and whatever right. And you guys could do that. Like it's a whole other market. I mean, I could see that market really working. Yeah, because we've got the, the potential that we've got of our toffee and caramel recipes is and um, the, the recipes vary slightly between each product, but pretty much we've got a toffee base that we can the possibilities are endless. We can put sort of puffed rice, well, we do put puffed rice in it, we put peanuts right. in it, we put hazelnuts in it, we yeah. have it. Um dime bars, do you have dime bars? Don't know. It's a very 
thin, hard-boiled toffee with almonds in it that snaps. Okay. So we've sort of got a potential of something that's absolutely solid to something that's liquid, um, soft caramel. Um, so we've, the sort of possibilities are endless as to what we can do. The different everything that we do, we use in the, the one um, vegan alternative to milk chocolate. So although it's it's a vegan chocolate, it's a, a milk chocolate, and um, right. so it's not a darker taste. Um, but if we had additional chocolate tanks, we could have vegan white chocolate, we could have darker chocolate. And then you've got, again, because I don't know about there, but over here, a darker chocolate is the more sophisticated end yeah, of the market. Yeah, it is here, yeah. So that's where we, we don't, we just, it's all in the one chocolate because we've got one chocolate machine. And if we were to put other chocolate into it, we've got to empty it out. And there's a whole load of chocolate in the middle that's a mix of both as it's sort of right. popped through the sausage machine. So there's... Oh, yeah. right potential equipment and um with different equipments and processes that we that we just the, the the recipes that we could come up with from our basic toffee caramel recipes it's it would just be endless really right right well that's already cool. got, we've already got about 14 products we doing them all ourselves so really with the last thing the last thing we want to be doing at the moment is to be doing let's do more yeah we need to be concentrating on getting a few of them more more out there yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. You know, I'm with you on on that. Is you know, get a few out there. Once you get a few out there, more then you can start to, uh, you know, yeah. be more creative and, and do different yeah. stuff as well too. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys? So where do you like? How many employees do you guys run right now? Is it just like? Yeah, it's just the two of us. Just you two of it, right? Well, we have, we have some help when we're busy, and yeah. we have help doing some things, but generally, most things we do on our own. Right, so and you guys are doing like the, all the packaging and shipping and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, which is why the, the, the side of things that's the growth isn't as high as it should be because we're, we're busy keeping up. And another issue we've got is packaging has been, um, we've got flow wrap, which is plastic because that's the cheapest you can get. And when you set up and you buy your machine, that's what you've got. Right. And then trying to find um ecological alternatives and when you start to look into them a lot of them have been sort of chemically treated to make them right. food safe and although you can say they're plastic free that's a great label to have on your products but often it's not really that environmental by the time whatever's been done to it and we're yeah. really not greenwashing we're just a bit more transparent and we're not happy that it's plastic but it's what it is for now and um, but my husband has been researching it for the last few years and he's found something and um, because again I don't know about over there we've not got our industrial composting um, and recycling facilities in the UK are atrocious and right, right. um, a lot of the problem is that if somebody puts something into the wrong end of end of the line it's going to contaminate whatever that whether it's plastic or vegware or whatever it contaminates it so we we think we've found something that's um home compostable which is great just stick it in your own compost and there's there's other ways they can go so we we found something that we we think we're happy with and um, but we tested our shelf life of our products in it and it didn't give them as long a shelf life as the plastic did so oh, yeah. now we've eventually found something we're happy with but my my husband thinks we've got our blades and our machine sort of seals that were lines running up that way and we think that's maybe not airtight whereas if we sealed it that way that's a complete block so yeah. we're maybe going to get different blades for our wrapping machine right. and test 
this money again and um, but test it and see because we don't want to think that we found the ideal thing and then bin that idea because we think it's actually yeah. not the right material when actually it could be the material it might just be our machine blades or not sealing it because it's doing lots of indents that way when it could be that way so um that's the next thing we're working on because at the moment we've been we've been putting stickers on plastic wrap and it just looks really homemade and shoddy and that takes time to be stickering it as well whereas really we just want to run things through the, the final packaging um and we yeah. we were expecting to be stickering things for a very short time <laughs> and here we are a few years on still stickering things and it just makes it 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 doesn't do our products justice really but that's that's kind of okay because often things look amazing and you open them up and they taste like crap whereas we're the other way around that it's a little bit it's a little bit thrown together but what's inside it is really tasty so that's the main thing the packaging can be worked on because we've we've got the recipes whereas other people might have uh, the amount of times we've bought something that looks great and think that's not nice at all is um quite often so at least we're not one of those companies yeah i mean that's a normal part of business you see people changing packaging all the time i mean that's one of yeah. the things i i used to travel with uh do you have the shark tank show in uk shark tank shark tank that they, inve they invest in businesses okay yeah, oh they yeah dragon's den yeah so yeah ours is like yeah. dragon's den right so one of our yeah. shark tank guys on there he's one of my friends and I used to travel with him and he was on the first four seasons of Shark Tank. He was one of the investors in people's businesses. And, and I would travel with him and help him build some of his brands. And, and we did a lot of stuff together. And um, one of the things is the reason I bring this up is one of the things when I would sit in meetings with him and we would have like, I would sit in hundreds of meetings with him, hundreds, you know, right. And of different companies they'd be investing in and doing stuff with. And one of the major things that came up with a lot of the companies that they invested in was We've got to change the packaging. Like that was one of the major things that I've seen out of all these new businesses that came in. I've seen, I would look, I finally said to him, like, it's crazy. Like half the start of that, that right away that you call right away is like packaging has to be changed. So, you know, and these are even bigger company, you know, bigger businesses already, yeah. you know, that you're doing. So it just shows like how, uh, you know, it, it, it shows that it's such a, I guess people are doing it all the time, changing the packaging yeah. to make it better. And because we're such a tiny company, we wouldn't want to be, that's what's also held us back from getting our flow wrap printed is you don't want someone to then come along and say, oh, you need to change the packaging. Whereas because you've got, you've, you've then bought reels and reels of flow wrap, yeah. you're stuck with that for a long time, or you've got the expensive yeah. bin in it getting more. So they are issues, but it's, it is quite often when people do go on about branding and we, we know it's important, but it's not, it's not up there as a as a top priority because it can it can be done at any time really yeah. um 100 yeah. uh so do you i would expect you guys have quite high repeat customers i would think correct yeah when we were doing our business plan um we we looked i'm trying to think what um on dragon's Den they talk about high repeat custom and i forget what it is but we ours is at least double or possibly triple and that's what's so good because it is a, a fast move. You could buy a bar of chocolate today and you buy another one tomorrow. There is, it's not like some weird invention that you buy once and yeah. unless it breaks 10 years later, no repeat custom. So we do have really high um, repeat custom, which is fabulous. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. 
So what is your main, um, what's the best seller out of your guys' line? We've got a product called a smooch, which is a, so in a chocolate mold, it's a little square mold, well, a little square of toffee inside the chocolate. And it's a, it's a chewy, it's not too hard, not too liquid, just a nice chewy, um, chew, I don't know what, I don't know if there's any equivalent um, in Canada. Um, is the Canadian market similar to the American market? Because the main, the yeah. main, yeah, because the main thing we used to get, um, on vegan store, we used to buy um, things called Goldenberg peanut chews. Do you know of them? Yeah, I know. I know of them. Yeah. So it's that kind of. It's a. It's a chew, but it doesn't stick to your teeth. Kind of chew. So we've got, got a smooth, which is over here. We've got a product called called a Rolo, which is it's similar to that. It's it's a toffee cup and chocolate, and people people love them. Oh, um, and we just did our first our first event this. We week got Rolo. We got Rolo in Canada. Oh, you have Rolos. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's like a big chunky vegan Rolo, twice oh, the size Rolo. Those would sell well in Canada. Right. Yeah. I'll have, have to get your address and send you a little package of things. I should have done that before today, actually, no so problem. that you would have been from experience and haven't tasted it. I, I love it. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'll, I'll uh, definitely try it and uh, and uh, yeah. I would show what I what I eat and try and stuff. And I'm I'm a you've got me already because I'm a toffee chocolate anything like that like i'm the, that's my weakness right is 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 that so okay. so i'm like the ideal for you know person right yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll hopefully love it we do doing an event this weekend after not having done anything for the last two years so really the first major event we've done since having our factory um up in london something called vegan life live and people trying our stuff for the first time. And it's just, again, really nice to see people's reactions um, for trying it and, and people that hadn't heard of us. So hopefully we've got some new new fans now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you would hopefully, you would like a, you would like a smooch that's called our vegan Rolo. A smooch, I like that. That's a good smooch. name actually, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, that comes from our cat. She likes, she's very, even since she was a baby, she likes to smell your breath. and. Right. And how long have you guys been in business now for? So we started, um, launched at that VegFest in 2016, became a limited company in 2018 when we were looking at getting the factory and shifting up right. here. But um, so it's really from being the, so what we've been doing it six years. Right. Six yeah. Years. So you guys are fairly new business. So you yeah, so you're just yeah. getting your, grabbing, getting your way, right? So that's a very young, yeah. young run business. Yeah, it's interesting as well because oh, I don't know statistically worldwide, but it's what we we're taught here is pretty much most businesses fail in the first two years. Yeah, um, it's horrific. Um, but we're kind of lucky because what we've got is fast-moving consumer goods. So we we've got a product to sell. So very, it's instantly. We've bought some ingredients. We've sold that for more money than it took us to make right. it, and so we're been generating money all along we have got we've sort of got a little bit of debt from startup loans which we're paying off but yeah. generally it's a it's a, a money making operation and if we had more money we could buy additional machinery which would make our life easier but we we sort of find the main three bits of kit that would get us going um and paying that off as we go um so we were really lucky to still especially during the pandemic and the, the worry now is that people have got less disposable income and in the UK we've um, got major issues with 
cost of living crisis where energy has gone up and um, fuel has gone up and people are, that's the, the stall at the weekend. We didn't right. sell as much as we thought we would. We, we still made money, but we right. were expecting to possibly double the sales based on previous events we'd been at. And it is when you've got, do you buy a bag of oatmeal or do you buy a bar of chocolate? It's the oatmeal is going to last you breakfast right. for two weeks you buy so it's it is worry that we are a luxury um so it is it is a concern that people aren't going to have the money to buy because we've managed to survive so far right. um, I, I would hate for us to struggle based on external factors really right. we've maybe not grown as quick as we should and we don't know everything but we've we've not done anything wrong we've been able to organically grow based on our knowledge um but it would be horrible if yeah, if we just suddenly was nobody's got yeah. any money and buying anything. So, oh no. Oh. It, would, it would be interesting, you know, if you guys did a a high a high end one, and and that became another extension of your brand. And I'm talking like high end, you know, like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, oh, or whatever wow. it is, <laughs> like a high end, because. People don't understand this. When markets go down and recessions happen, higher end brands a lot of times actually make more money. And right. because people that have money still That's have so money, they still yeah. have money, right? And yeah. so you'll notice that a lot of, I've had a couple of friends of other businesses create higher ends in their businesses as well too, along with their other stuff. And that side just scaled, just skyrocketed. Uh, right. you know, and it, and it, and it really became a big part of their business. And for, I mean, the reason I bring up for you guys, because it's such a, you know, it's almost one of those things, if you're handcrafting or if you're more making more time with your hands and it becomes more personal and stuff like that, you know, I would could see that there would a hundred percent be a market that would right. pay for that extra stuff. And, you know, you only need, you know, 5,000 consumers to make, you know what I mean? Some really good money on that. So, I mean, it's just something to wrap, maybe consider, you know, moving forward as you're looking at the economy yeah. and stuff like that. And it might be something that's an extension that's kind of maybe easy for you guys to do, easy for you to try for six months, you know, and not and and not a lot more money and put some time, a little bit of time into it. And if it works, great. You know, if it doesn't, well, you put some time and you and you you took a shot, you know, so might be something yeah. we're looking at. Yeah, we did. Um, when we've done our, we do some Christmas selections because I, I, we've not done market research for a while on who our audience is. But I don't know how many high end customers we've got. But when we, when we've done our Christmas selection boxes in three sizes, um, the biggest one sold the best, which was great. And so the following year, we I think we eliminated the smaller one and did the bigger one even bigger. But that right. took it a little price point above what people were prepared to pay so we realized that ah now we have to bring it back a little people aren't yeah prepared to pay that much yeah 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 I, I think you're you can't go a little bit you got to go you know if you're going if you're going to do both ones where you're just selling normally like you do then the other one's got to be high like right high right yeah. you know what I mean high like high wear I mean a lot of people in my inner circle I mean they pay a thousand all their shoe lines is there a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, right? So, right. you know, so there's a big market up. So you got to go there. You know what I mean? You can't, you yeah. can't, like, you can't teeter a little bit here. You know what I mean? It's yeah. got to be like, hey, you know, you're this person. 
you want our product. It's top of the line. It's tie in. Yeah. It's creative, you know, and you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay the money for it. Right. Like yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah. Find, find me those people who will make it. Well, I got a lot in my inner circle, so. Oh. And them all. Yeah, right. Oh. Awesome. Well, I love your guys' business. I mean, you know, this has been a great, actually, this has been a really great interview, you know, about to just spitball back and forth about your struggles and challenges and where you're trying to go. And, and this stuff helps a lot of people because they see challenges from other people because in small business we're all going through different challenges and different things yeah yeah and quite often people are i mean i could i could have forgotten about the struggles that we go through but it's when it's especially when it's forefront in your mind you talk about it but it's again it's the honesty of it you yeah. like you sometimes go on social media and you see brands and a lot of bull um just a lot of polish in what's going on and actually they might fail because they've not wanted to admit that yeah. they struggle um like if we'd if we'd known the kind of struggles that we've been through the last few years would we have done it in the first place it's um it's just a learning as we go and we're kind right. of we've come into it blind and just kept going with it um it's it's been an interesting journey but it's it depends on again if you've got knowledge before you start so th say things like trump He'd, he'd been bankrupt before, had failed businesses, but then, like us, if we were to start this again tomorrow, my goodness, our, our setting up of the factory would be different. It's, oh. it's really hot today, so we're at home today because there is absolutely no point in us trying to make anything in the factory because it's humid, yeah. the recipe. So it's just, okay, if we got a new factory, my goodness, that would be one of the first things we would change. So everything that we've managed to do well enough to get to where we are, if we were to upscale again and, and move elsewhere the amount of things that we would get not not necessarily right because we've not got anything wrong we've just not got things perfect whereas moving on up we would get things do yeah. things better differently and so we were kind of fortunate and it's 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 that thing that when you've got the, the problems that you um are dealing with at the time when you actually look back at them a few months after they weren't so big but on that day they were a complete disaster for you and you just you find that you've learned from it and you're you've now got a new problem to think totally. about totally yeah. and well you know and that's just you know that's just business and you know if we're not having a ton of problems in our business then i look at it we're not moving fast enough and we're not pulling the trigger enough right because yeah. we or should be there should be a lot of well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there should i mean people don't look like when they look at our stuff they see couple things they're like oh that worked really well for them but they don't see all the things that we tried that didn't work out really well yeah. right yeah. you know so like there's yeah. lots of things that we do that I make a decision I'm like let's try this and I'm like oh that one didn't work very good yeah. <laughs> well that's that's another thing that's been really good for us which we've maybe not done as much recently but certainly when we first got the factory and we were making batches and bigger batches and there was sometimes that we'd maybe boil things up too soft or um the shelf life of something wasn't long enough or things were underweight because we were fighting again because it's handmade right. trying to get a consistent weight of some products is really difficult so we just put them on our shop told customers on social media here's some stuff that's it's not perfect it's a bit rubbish but they've been happy to buy it because they're interested in one it's pain it, they want to support us so they're happy to give us some yeah. money support us and pay for the mistakes um and and they've bought it um they bought it to sort of melt on ice cream or 
do different things with it. it's fine if you use it in a cake or whatever and they've they've been happy to buy it and they they like the honesty that oh we've had a crap day we've made something absolutely terrible who wants to buy it and then they've been happy to buy it so that's been right. that's been quite nice and that makes them feel they know it's just the two of us and it makes them feel more connected to us as well and it's it's so lovely to have that support and we've we've got that point though that we've got we sort of know customers names but it's yeah. also we want to not know customers names we want them to be in shops where it might have not even been made by us it's been made by an external um sort of white label producer um um contract manufacturer rather and it's been in a shop and people have bought it that we've not heard of them um, right. just because it's if, if if we know all our customers names and that's that's far too small but you, you do see the same names come in every time we, we we post on social media oh i want some of that and it's people come in and buy it and the good repeat customer but we also we need more customers from more product right it's true but nothing wrong with that and done properly um those customers that you know that you know their names leveraged right in an ethical way will get you to the level where the other customers you can't know their names yeah and yeah. and, and 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 done properly and and uh um you know i give it's it, Everybody has my cell phone, cell phone number. I, my staff, my customer, everybody. I tell my, my staff, give all our customers. I have a lot of contacts. Everybody gets my cell number. Everybody. Everybody. Because I'm consistently, they can have access to me at all times. They know if, if, if they're talking to one of our customers, it's like, if you call Shane, it something's got to go, something like, you know, something's really, something's happened. You didn't get great service or you did or something you really need to talk to them about. Now, they don't people don't call me very much because of that, but they have access to me. So they they yeah. see 100 percent how much I care. Yeah. And then I'm going to get that. And and and, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a you know, the more you you know that, you know, it, some businesses, um, you know, can't do that. Well, I'll give you a great example. Kevin O'Leary from R Sharp Tank, one of the biggest investors around the world. He has two cell phones. One cell phone is for family and friends. Right. This guy owns 150 companies. Other is for everyone in his, all his Ed. other companies. Everybody. Right. Everybody right. has his phone number. Yeah. And, and so he goes, that's why I build so much because right. my relationships with my people, they have access to me. And he goes, they know that they can only call this phone number if you know something's really gone wrong or you know something like that. And he goes, that yeah. phone actually doesn't ring near as much as my family phone and friend's phone right. near yeah. as much, right? Yeah. You know, so and that's access to people. Because again, when we we're saying that we don't know the industry, but I'm I'm sure if one of our major supermarkets knew what we were doing, they would be interested. And if there's barriers to connect with people, then quite often when people um so we've got a friend locally that organizes events and so if you email someone's assistant and say can someone come and talk at my event they say no but if he bumps into someone in the street and says can you come to my event they say yes and often those people in the middle of the barriers say no when actually if you get if you get through to the person that you actually want they are quite likely to say yes and that they've they've never heard of all the requests that you've put through trying to reach them so it is it is good if if um, this kevin is it's got that contact with people. It's great. It's true. It's true. You know, I, I so when you said last question, and we'll go because it's been an hour and we've talked for a long time. So uh, 
so that hour went fast. I didn't even see, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's already been just about an hour. Uh, when you say handmade, give me an yeah. example of what you what you mean by that. So we the um, ingredients go into a cooker. So we we weigh the ingredients and they go into a cooker. So that's a machine does that, okay. and then we pour it out onto our table. But then. Um, sometimes things when we watch we've got programs over here which are inside the factory where you watch things that pretty much from the second it's made it is on an automated process through whether it's a biscuit being baked and then run through chocolate and then wrapped in its individual packet to then its box to then ending up on a pallet that has not touched human hands that whole process it's just all these machines are connected to each other and through it goes and they're churning out millions and um, the product Whereas ours is we put it on the table, we've got some blades like a pizza wheel, but on a rolling pin. So like yeah. a rolling pin for a pizza wheels yeah. that cut lots of fingers in one direction, but we've got to cut it the other direction. So we are hand cutting. We are physically taking the toffee onto our chocolate machine, through the chocolate into the fridge, bringing it back out. So it's just that we have, we have nothing is automated. It is all from us doing it. And, the, the, I mean, we could we could get huge bank loans and buy an automated system, which would be a mega box, but we wouldn't even, we wouldn't particularly know what machines go with what, which is why we need people that have worked in these places that would know, right. oh, if you just had one of these, that would make that so much easier. And if that connected to that, then that would be automated. So it's um, got it. a good thing to have, but it's, it's all handmade. And um, especially the smoochies, that is us, cutting lots of little squares of toffee and physically in a mold 21 in each mold putting it in so you sort of you you pay for the time it takes us you pay for the time it takes us to make it rather than actually the product right but the ingredients they're not they're not cheap ingredients but sugar and fat are fairly affordable ingredients um but it's the time it takes us to make the product is where the the cost goes into what we sell of course of course i see that do you guys sell just in the UK or do you sell all, all over? Yeah, we, we sell to individual customers anywhere, but in terms of um, outlets, it's pretty much the UK. Um, we would, if we, if we were, had a more grasp on the UK, then obviously we could go further afield. But then it's also the issue with confectionery, especially the chocolatey products rather than just the toffees, is heat, transport, right. how damaged would something be? By the time it gets to somewhere else so um it would be an issue but yeah we'd we'd happily i mean it's again it's the kind of product that's got potential for worldwide there is nothing to say that we can be anywhere right and where can everybody find you at um your website social medias anything like that yeah so everything is jevons toffee which is um our website and jevons toffee on facebook twitter instagram um we've not done tiktok yet but we do have to dance around for barber chocolate and <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, that's that's our social medias awesome so everybody i would go check them out follow their social media try their stuff i'm looking forward to trying the stuff because it's already in my wheelhouse i love that stuff uh so i'm excited and i'll uh i'll definitely uh when i try it i'll do a, i'll do a video at the same time i'm unpacking and it trying it eating it and stuff like that. So I'm actually just, we're just starting a show where I'm going to be going around and test tasting vegan burgers and rating them. Okay. 
and so right. we'll start doing yeah start doing that so so it'll be good to try your guys' stuff i'm excited yeah, Sa- yeah. thank you so much for being on the show your wealth of information and uh i look forward to um you know helping you guys you know get some more exposure and get out there and uh We'll send over a couple clips and and uh, let's stay in touch and anything you need feel yeah. free to reach out to us yeah thank you and i'll send you some goodies awesome cool awesome <laughs> have a great day <laughs> okay you too all right thanks bye-bye <laughs>